Hey friends, you found Moms Meet World. We are so happy to have you with us. We're all about strengthening home and family here on Moms Meet World. You know this if you're a regular listener. And if you're just joining us, welcome. Big global arms around you. We're so happy to have you wherever you are in the world. Uh, today we're talking about resistance fighting. And that's a little interesting, isn't it? Because we're not in a a classic war like World War One or two, but we are kind of in a subtle war, aren't we? We're going to talk about why that's true and how to resist. We have a fantastic guest today, and I was reading some of her book this morning, and I got a little choked up because she's such an incredible writer, and her words are so true. Um, Catherine Lee Moss is an Emmy-nominated writer and director. She has a Master of Arts in Theater from the University of London. She is, first and foremost, a wonderful wife and mother. She has three daughters, Madeline, Hannah, and her youngest daughter, Charlotte. Those are three of my favorite names. I told her I think those could be names in one of her next writing adventures. Uh, She is also a public speaker. So if you live in the Virginia area, or even if she needs to travel, she can sometimes come to you. We'll talk about where to find her at the end of this podcast episode. But for right now, let's talk about what we want to mainly focus on in this particular episode, which is her brilliant book. And it's called The Spiritual Resistance Agent Field Manual. Welcome, Catherine. Please tell us about why you named it that and what this book is about. Hi, Mary. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I'm really passionate about this subject, and I'm always excited to talk about it. Um, it the I got the inspiration for the the book and the the title. Um, it's based off of the World War II training manual that they put together to train resistance fighters, and and I've always loved that idea of resistance um, because you know oftentimes we think of war and we're you know out fighting the enemy in some other country or or whatever, but the idea of resistance is that you're fighting from within. Um, So they were fighting from within occupied countries. And I feel like today, that's what we're really doing, right? The world that we live in is occupied (laughs) territory. Um, And we need to learn to, to resist the influences and 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 fight that from within. So um, that's kind of how I um, got the the structure and the and the name for the book, um, and and basically it's um, it goes through a different um, like why we should <laughs> become spiritual resistance fighters and how we can become spiritual resistance fighters, and it goes beyond that into what we can do when we feel like we're failing and nothing's working. Um, There's troubleshooting, you know, about what what do we do when we feel like our prayers aren't being answered. Um, And so there's lots of different topics, and for each topic in there, um, like commitment or sacrifice or courage, uh, there's a there's a personal story, a story from the Bible, and an example from history 
uh, to illustrate each one of those points as well. So um, it's something for everybody, I hope. In it. I love that. I can just see you snuggling in with, you know, Charlotte or, or Hannah, just kind of as a family night when we're Latter-day Saints uh, listeners, and we have this thing called family home evening on Monday nights, we try to do where we just have a, a gathering of souls, if you will. And we just gather together and discuss maybe a spiritual topic or something people are struggling with or whatever. It's just a time for family. You can look it up family home evening. Um, but I could see you doing that, reading this book in that setting, or even at bedtime to little ones too. Maybe your future grandchildren as well, Catherine, you can read this book to them because there are so many beautiful, inspiring stories. Some, ah, I'm going to get choked up again, but some from your own life, which are really touching. Um, And then, as you said, from the Bible and then from history um, that can inspire them to resist that evil. And I love that you are calling out evil for what it is. So you know, I think about the Nazi, um, and we're going to talk about that more, your whole Nazi connection there, your connection to the Eubner group. But in that time, um, you know, people didn't, you, the Nazis didn't want the rest of the world to really know exactly what they were doing, right? It was a lot of propaganda. And the only thing, one of the only things that got through was Radio Free Europe. Sometimes you could get that little radio station telling you the truth. And I feel like sometimes we are saturated in things that are deceiving. Um, there really is a Satan. There really is evil. And that's true. Listeners, he's really, but he's subtle. He's so subtle. And you're calling that out. And I think we talked about this once before, but in Wonder Woman, as a sort of analogous, she calls it out. Like they say, well, it's really this thing that happened or that thing that happened. And she, this is the movie version with Gal Gadot that came out a number of years ago, the first one. And she said, no, 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 no. It's this. She goes to the heart of it. It's this man. It's this thing, the root of it. And sometimes I think we have to be that honest and that true. It's not just cultural differences. Sometimes there really are things that are really right and some things that are really wrong. And that evil is so subtle. Um, I want to read, if I can, a quote from you, from your book that listeners just grabbed my heart. So you're talking about evil here and you say, it may not parade around wearing special armbands. And it's usually not as simple as being able to blame it on one person, one government or one agenda. But there it is. It, meaning evil, is everywhere. It is marching relentlessly forward into homes, families, and lives around the world. It is subtle. It is sometimes hard to recognize. It can seem desirable, and it can make us feel like we belong. And it can make us afraid to resist it. Man, girl, you are profound and brilliant. That's exactly what happened in Germany. And that is exactly what sometimes happens in our homes. Tell us about your feelings about how is it happening in our homes? I, I've got some ideas. You tell me. <laughs> well, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think I don't, my husband and I and several friends that I've talked to have just felt blindsided, to be honest. Um, we've always known, of course, that there was evil and that there was evil influences, but it really feels like the past few years have we've just been bombarded and suddenly our girls are dealing with things that we were totally unprepared to deal with um and they are anyway we're just being slammed with that and it's terrifying and it's overwhelming and I, and i 
I know my, my husband and I have struggled with those feelings of feeling completely out of our depth as parents thinking, Oh my goodness, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, We've had those times with our girls, especially as they've gotten older, where we feel like it's too late. Like, it's too late. There's nothing I can do. Uh, We're completely helpless in the face of this onslaught. And honestly, that is what this book is about for me, is to let other parents know (laughs) that it's not too late that it's not too late and that we are not helpless in the face of this onslaught of evil. And if this book does nothing more than (laughs) help other parents know that you're not alone and that there is something that you can do, um, then to me, that is success. I love that. I love that. Because when we think about it back in Europe, there were people, like you said, in every country that were banding together. And that's part of it, right? Other people banding together. You're not alone. I love that you're giving that message. Listeners, you're not alone either. Like you are bonding, even in this podcast episode, Catherine is is on your team and you're on her team. Your parents that are trying to fight subtle evil that keeps coming in through media. Can we just say it? It's through Instagram sometimes and Snapchat or what all. I was blindsided too. When Snapchat first came out, I thought, what the heck? What? <laughs> There's just so many different ways to bring in sort of you know, glamour, it's it's under the glamour title, but or or the popular title, but really what's happening is very different, isn't it? It is. And and I think that that draw, um, and that's definitely what makes me think about, um, again, I always hesitate to (laughs) um, compare things to Nazi Germany because I I get that there is a difference and I'm not trying to make light of that at all. But as far Mm -hmm. as the, you know, one of the things that drew people to, uh, to the Nazi party was that feeling that they belonged to something. And I know with uh, kids today, at least with my own kids, that's been a large part of it, um, is that feeling like they have a specific group that they can identify with and belong to. And that feeling is huge. Um, And they are looking for that. And so we're trying to shift, (laughs) trying trying to do my part to shift that, to want to belong to something better. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. Belong to something better. Yes, we are hardwired for community. We are we want to connect. We are hardwired to connect as Brené Brown so eloquently talks about. But how to connect and how to do that safely and not take on the identity of something. It's like there's you're being offered something you think well that's appealing but you don't realize it's coming with an entire package of things that maybe even you as the teenager don't think are actually that appealing but like you said you want to identify with a group so you sort of accept all of this other baggage this that becomes heavy later and doesn't really reflect who you are so this book listeners is so great for that because you're learning about these personal stories of people who did exactly that. They walked away from what they thought would be a belonging community and might help them in some way, but they recognized that the core of that was actually evil. And so they walked away and they found other ways of joining in community and they're out there guys. And prayer is part of that. If we need to find community, we can pray for that. We can find places where we can belong. They're safe and healthy. Um, I'd like to touch on one that's a little tricky and we haven't talked about this beforehand, but 
one of the things that I've noticed that's coming around is pornography. And that really, I think, is a very um, insidious danger that's kind of coming into homes. And so I think maybe we need to have another episode sometime. <laughs> Some other people I've written, actually a children's book on that. It's coming out next year on how to help children recognize the difference between good and evil at a very young age. Because I think, and would you agree, kids are being exposed to things at younger and younger and younger ages. Does that concern you too, Catherine? It's so young now. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that was part of the thing that snuck up on us is, you know, we had this plan to, you know, talk to our kids about certain things at certain ages. And then by the time we got to it, we realized it was, (laughs) they'd all found out, you know, and that we have to talk with our 11 year old about things that uh, we never dreamed we'd have to talk with her about at this age. Yes. And that's hard. That's really hard. Sad. You don't want yeah. to have to. You no, don't want no. to have to talk to them when you know she's eleven now. But I mean, it had to start even younger, and it is. It's heartbreaking that that we have to. <laughs> yes, but, yeah. but we've got. But we've got to do it. And your book helps give us tools to, for how to do that. And hopefully, this other book, guys, I, it's called "I Can Feel It in My Heart." Um, we'll talk about it another time. But we we need the tools. And also, do you think it helps? Sometimes I look at my kids and I think I. I wish I could do this for you. This is such a hard road to walk. I wish I could do it. Right. But then I think, well, there's also deep spirituality in you. You know, you may have, maybe you even, what did Queen Esther say? And probably in one of your Bible, beautiful Bible stories, um, perhaps you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this, perhaps you little 11 year old who I don't even want to send outside because there's so much evil out there. Maybe you were sent to the kingdom for such a time as this. And part of my process is trying to learn to trust that they can, they can also be resistance fighters. They can also fight the evil, right? Is that part of what you're trying to do too? Yeah, absolutely. I I think a lot of it and a lot of that desire for belonging um, comes from um, feelings of inadequacy. And a lot of times we, and and I especially see this in in our kids, uh, just I think because of the way the world is, so many reasons. Um, But I I see a lot of that, that they're really, they don't know. Um, They don't know how awesome they are. And, and and that's one of the things that I love um, is, is that, oh, man, sorry, sometimes, sometimes <laughs> we, um, we look at these resistance fighters and we think, well, yeah, they did that because they were super smart or they were super courageous or they were rich or they were whatever. <laughs> yeah, but not me, not me. Them. Right, right. We think it's somebody other yeah. than us. Yeah. Yes. And, and right. It's like, oh, well, that was Esther. And it's like, yeah, yeah but she wasn't Esther yeah. when she did it. She was just Esther, you know, <laughs> like she was just her regular girl. Yeah, right. exactly. And, and she's become this icon, you know, yeah. later, but yeah. she wasn't at the time. And David and Goliath, David wasn't either. He wasn't yeah. mighty King David. He was just little shepherd, David, yes. nobody um, who had, who had faith and courage. And so I, we definitely talk about that in this book to try and help the youth see that they can make a difference, not adults, not just people more talented or more rich or more anything than them. Yes. 
Yes. Is it Joseph Campbell in The Power of Myth that talks about the reluctant hero? I think that reluctant hero journey is all of us, really. We're all just trying to do the thing we don't want to do, which we end up kind of being a hero about. But it's that, what is it also, too, that the greatest battles you will ever fight are fought within the chambers of your own soul. We're warring it out here, making good choices in our hearts that end up putting us on that hero path that we never wanted to be on in the first place. But, but I think you're exactly, exactly right. Which kind of brings us back full circle to the origin of your book and the, the Eubner group. And I remember reading about that young man many years ago, even before I met you um, and being so touched that he was so willing to do that. Can you tell us just a little bit about him and your love for that maybe period in history and what they did, whatever you want to say about that. Yeah. Um, so I, I found out about the Hubner group, oh, um, a number of years ago yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and they were, uh, basically they were three teenagers. They were three teenage friends, um, in Nazi Germany and they were 15, 16 and 17. <laughs> and the three, they started their own resistance group. They recognized, um, that, that the Nazi government was lying to them. And they decided that they needed to share the truth, that it wasn't enough to just know the truth. They had to spread it. Um, and so they they did. They illegally listened to radio broadcasts from London, and then they typed up what they heard into anti-Nazi leaflets and distributed them throughout Hamburg, these three boys. And when I first heard that story, I <laughs> it was had profound impact on me because <laughs> Yeah, we we do hear these stories of, but they're usually adults, or you know, I don't know, like Wilbur Wilberforce or something. Yes, they're they're older, usually trained or adults or something. But these were just three regular teenagers, and I it had it just had a profound effect on me because I thought, you know what, if they could risk their lives <laughs> to spread the truth, then I can certainly risk being laughed at or losing a job or, you know. <laughs> oh, I love you. I love you. Yes. Yes. I can risk not being accepted. I can risk being laughed at. I can risk being mocked. I can risk not having any friends for a little while if that's what it takes. I can do that. I'm not facing Hitler. I mean, this is doable. That's Catherine. Yeah. Yeah. And it just, and from that point on, I just felt like, wow, okay, I need to do something. (laughs) I can't just sit here silent, not, I can't sit here in silence and, and let their sacrifice be for nothing, you know? So Um, so, yeah, that story has always been super meaningful for me. And um, and, and I do, got, I need to tell their story, right? Oh. Then you, yeah. Then you got that feeling inside. I've got to tell their story. And so what'd you do next? Tell us about that. Well, <laughs> well, first of all, I, I was going, I wasn't planning on telling their story. Um, I, I did love it and was very affected okay. by it. Um, but then I was going through a really, really difficult time in my life with postpartum depression and some other issues. And, um, I just didn't know what to do. I was desperate. You know, it it was that time where you talk to friends or family on the phone and laugh and talk, and then you hang up and sob on the floor. Um, And I, I was praying so hard and I didn't feel like I was getting any answers, you know? And one time while I was praying, just the thought came into my head, you should write a play. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) 
I've never written a play like that's a random thought. So I kind of dismissed it. And, you know, because it it wasn't that, um, you know, big spiritual answer that I thought I was looking for, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, and then it came a little while later again while I was praying, you should write a play. And so I thought, well, okay, (laughs) I mean, I I will. But I thought it was just for myself, you know, to give me something creative to work on to help me out of the depression. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, I love this story. So I'm going to start writing about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I did started doing more research and delving into it um, and started writing it as a play because theater is my background. Um, and, but as I wrote, it quickly became apparent that, (laughs) uh, that it was being inspired, you know, and that there was a greater purpose for it than just, Mm. than just for me. I love that so much. I'm thinking about uh, a quote from Brene Brown. She said, if you something like, sorry, Brene, if I got this slightly wrong, but if you feel angry, ask yourself, when is the last time I created something? And I think God is a creator, right? We know that. And so when we participate in things that God does, creative, you know, that creative talent, we are going to feel better. So I'm guessing that did help you feel better. It gave you purpose and meaning. And it did. It yeah. did. Absolutely. Um, helped me feel better um, to get out of that depression, to have something inspiring that I could work on. And yeah, just that act of creating has always been a joy <laughs> to me that. as well. Yeah. It just went, so it definitely did answer my prayer. It just went way beyond. <laughs> it did. And even way beyond your experience of writing it. Think of all the people that that helped. I mean, it is an Emmy nominated piece that you did, right? I mean, that that went pretty far. Um, and now you're thinking about using it again, maybe, are you thinking about doing something else with that? Yeah. I, and so the original play stage play was done a few times and then we filmed it. Um, and so Amazon, can we find it on Amazon? Okay. It on Amazon. It's called resistance movement. Good idea. Um, And so we, we filmed that in order to reach more people. And, um, and then lately I've actually been, um, feeling led to write the novel version. Um, Again, getting this story out there. I know some people laugh and think, wow, shouldn't you tell a different story? (laughs) But uh, I feel like this is a powerful story and I feel, um, I definitely feel led to share it. And I feel like, you know, some ways are going to appeal to some people and then sharing it in other ways are going to appeal to different people. Um, And and it's, it's interesting. I'm actually um, friends with the, some family members of these boys um, and and friends that they knew. And of course, they're getting older. And I was talking with one of them, um, Werner Sommerfeld. His friends were family with um, or his family, excuse me, were friends with Helmut and Rudy and Carl. And uh, and he knew them quite well. And he he told me the other day, he said, I'm turning 94 in November and he's like, I'm, I'm the last one that, that remembers. And, and we need you to keep sharing this story because oh, it's so important. It's so important. So important. And listeners, I forgot to ask her. Let me ask right now. Um, the Eubner boy, he, he was killed, right? The, the guy, the original guy, but the other people live. Tell me about it a little bit. About it. Yeah. So Helmut Hubner, he's the one, um, it was his idea. Um, he was the middle, the middle, he was 16 years old, um, when they started this, um, and, and, uh, kind of roped his two friends into it. Um, and, um, 
they when they they did eventually get caught and Helmut was executed um, mm-hmm. because he took all the blame on himself to shield mm-hmm. his two friends. Oh my uh, gosh, really? So, so yeah. that actually sort of looking for a pilot on me. Let's just say yeah. you. That's what a hero. What a did. And, and so he uh this October 27th is actually the 80th anniversary of his execution. Um, and he became the youngest resistance fighter executed by the Nazi government. Wow, Catherine. Wow. All I can say is just like applause from all the bleachers. And I'll bet Helmut is up there. I'm sure he is, just thinking, gosh you know, the reluctant hero again, but thank you, Catherine Lee Moss. Thank you for helping use this for good because I mean, really, he's going to just hug you in the next life and just cry. And you're going to cry. I mean, you know, you're going to cry because it just what you've done, you've partnered with him. Right. And, and interesting that talk about coming to the kingdom for such time as this, you have come to the kingdom and here we are with, and I'm sure there are other really hard times throughout history for teenagers, but this has to be right up there, <laughs> at least in terms of yeah. cultural and societal expectations and sort of craziness and a blur between morality lines and confusion, insecurity, anxiety, depression, on and on and on. And here we need someone to stand up and say, wait, you can fight that. Like you actually have the power within you to have that war within your heart. And you actually can stand up and try to do the right thing in the wrong situation. Like you can, one of the things you talk about is where do I have this quote? I love it so much. You say in the book, keep open communication with the Holy ghost and the directions that you receive. And I think you're comparing that to in Nazi Germany and all, maybe it was that radio for Europe or what keep, keep that communication as much as you can to get the truth and then follow the directions you receive. That's what special agents do. They they've got that headset. They're trying to follow that direction. And you're saying to these teenagers and anyone who's reading this book, keep in close communication with the Holy ghost. So that's another thing you can look up listeners. If you're not <laughs> a Latter-day Saint or not religious, the Holy ghost really can be our little wise Yoda inside of us that can help us to know what to do, but we have to tune into that channel. Right. And if we don't tune in, we can't get the direction that we desperately need to stand up and fight. But back to the, to the uh, point about the book, this book and your public speaking and your message to the world can really help inspire mm-hmm many, many, many teenagers to stand up and fight and to do the right thing. Thank you for helping these people, Catherine. Thank you so much with your message and your book and your play and now your novel, (laughs) whatever else you do next (laughs) and your own family life. We know that you're like, what was we talked about in the beginning, primarily a wife and a mom who wants to help her family. And, and I think they're so proud of you for not only helping them, but helping so many other people. Is there anything else you'd like to say here in closing? Um, yeah, <laughs> there is just, um, you know, one of the, one of, one of the people that I talk about in the book is the prophet Jeremiah. And he was known as the the weeping prophet because he was called when he was 17. Um, to be the prophet and he felt totally overwhelmed and he um and and God asked him to warn the Israelites to repent or they would be destroyed and he worked for 40 years to teach and warn the Israelites to repent and guess what they didn't <laughs> they, they didn't and, and uh they they mocked him and they arrested him and they did all kinds of things and 
and yet they ne- and they never repented and um i'm sure that he felt like he was a failure and i have felt that many times uh <laughs> many times um in professional life and as a mom <laughs> feeling like, wow, I blew it big time. I'm a failure. Um, and if you look at that, it it is tempting to think that Jeremiah wasn't successful because the Israelites didn't repent. And sometimes we look at ourselves as parents and what our kids are doing and think, wow, I blew it. I was not successful. But the thing that has really hit me is that God didn't ask Jeremiah to make them repent. He only asked him to teach. He only asked him to teach them and warn them. And as parents and uh, and as teenage youth going out to try and make a difference, I think that's an important thing to remember is that we can try and we should try and we should do all that we can. But God hasn't asked us to make people change He's asked us to share our our light and try and put good things out there. And um, so I just hope that, (laughs) um, especially as parents, that if these things in the book don't seem to make a difference with your kids, um, that that's still okay, that you're still doing awesome. And uh, it's still important that that we try and teach and warn. And that's all that God has asked us to do. Uh, and so if we are doing that, then we are successful, no matter what our efforts change or don't. I could absolutely cry. <laughs> so true. I love that idea. Change the goalpost, parents. You already are successful. If you're teaching, as you said, and you're warning, as you said, you are successful. You've already achieved the goal. You win. You did the right thing. And that idea of, right, we can't make people repent. And if we did, we'd be taking away people's free agency. That would actually be a not successful strategy. It's up to them. So you, yeah, thank you. That's so beautiful. I think there's a lot of parents today that needed to hear that. All of us. Yeah, that was beautiful, Catherine. Thank you so much. Where can we find you? Where's your, what's your website? Uh, so my website is katherineleemoss.com. And um, on there, there are links to the book, to my blog, um, information about having me come uh, speak. I love to speak to youth and adults um, of all ages. Um, And there's links to the movie, Resistance Movement. Um, All of that can be found there. I love that. Listeners, check her out. She's very inspirational. I'm so happy that you were with us today, Catherine. And we'll see you all next time on Moms Meet World. Thanks, Mary. 